is the Cloud Now Podcast, your launchpad for Amazon Web Services. This is the Cloud and Out podcast. My name is Michael. And my name is Andreas. Every other week, we talk about a topic that is related to AWS. Both of us are working with uh, AWS tools and services every day. So we are 100% focused on AWS while we work on customer projects. But we also do uh, developing a software as a service application. And we also do a lot of open source uh, work in the uh, AWS community. So every other week, uh, either Andreas or me prepare a topic for this podcast. And the clue is that the topic is not known to the other one. And uh, this time, Andreas uh, prepared a topic for me. So I have no idea what we are going to talk about today. But before we uh, switch to the new topic, um, Andreas, can you remember uh, what we talked about uh, last time in the podcast? Uh, good question. Let me try to remember. So we talked about um, CI/CD pipelines with code build. So a simple approach to build code pipelines uh, on AWS. And you introduced um, how code, yeah, code build can be used uh, to achieve that. Okay. Um, and actually, I have to make a correction um, because I, I made a mistake last time. And there were some people um, flagging this. So if you uh, remember the last episode, I talked about um, the different phases uh, code build runs through. So there's a install phase, pre-build, build, and post-build. And the clue is that the post-build phase is always executed no matter if build failed or not. So if install fails, everything is stopped. If pre-build fails, everything is stopped. But if the build phase fails, the post-build phase is executed, which is a little bit counterintuitive, but this is how it is documented. So this is just a a little correction for the the last uh, episode. So... We are, um, so this is uh, episode number six. So we ha- already have uh, some, some, some uh, episodes to listen for our listeners. But the interesting question is, um, Andreas, what's the topic of, of this day? Yeah, so today we will talk about um, how to avoid S3 data leaks. So this is the topic uh, for today. So I don't know if you follow security news, but I, from my from my. Um, observation there is no week without a big uh, data leak uh, resulting from a misconfigured um, s3 bucket and that is why i want um, to yeah to to do that topic this week how do you avoid data leaking from an s3 bucket so this is the topic uh, for today i received the like a shout out to the newsletter from cory quinn so he uh, always presents the uh like the S3 data leak of the uh, of the week, I think, or month, I'm not sure. Um, uh, so I'm I'm aware of the problem, um, and I think uh, a lot of other people are as well. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how can we avoid it actually? Yeah. So maybe first, I, I want to start um, with uh, why this is a problem. So I think the the problem is that the simple storage service Amazon S3. Um, has different use cases. So you can use it for storing private, sensitive, even confidential data. And by default, also when you uh, upload data into the object store, um, it is private. No one else can access the data. 
but the same service can also be used to publish data to the internet. So a three is also a way how you can publish assets, media files, um, whatever you want um, publicly to the internet. So it's the same service. It does two different things. I think maybe it was not the best choice <laughs> to, to do both things in one service, but that's how it is. That's how it, uh, where we have come to. So we have to deal with that. So that's the, that's the thing that you need to know. So you can use it for both use cases. But if you are um, storing data in your Amazon S3 buckets uh, that has to be private, then you really need to make sure uh, that you're configuring your bucket correctly so that you're not accidentally exposing the data to the world. So that is, that is the problem behind it. So it's not a problem of um, S3 is not secure. It's a problem of how do I make sure that I configure it correctly and do not make a mistake accidentally. That's what it is about. So I came up, yeah, I came up with uh, four rules uh, that you can use to avoid S3 data leaks um, that are the most important in my opinion. So let's start um, with rule number one. So I highly recommend um, that you use always an IAM policy to grant access to your S3 bucket. Whenever the caller can authenticate as an IAM principal, which means an IAM user or an IAM role. So that is, I think, the easiest way uh, to make sure that you are not um, publishing your data to the internet, that it's not accessible from the internet. And that's also the default. So always use an IAM policy. Okay, so by IAM policy, you mean um, having a IAM user or IAM role and then attach a policy to this user that, that grants me access to the uh, S3 bucket, right? Exactly. So that's how we also grant access to other AWS services. For example, grant access to start EC2 instances, something like that. So I actually, I prefer using that mechanism to grant access to a three bucket as well. The problem is though, um, that there are two other options to grant access to your three buckets. And uh, I want to talk about these two options. So the other option, and this is also very prominent when you go um, to your S3 bucket in the AWS Management Console is using bucket or object access control lists. Um, so I can see I can see any reason actually for using bucket or object access control lists. So I I think they are kind of a legacy. There might be very rare use cases where you want to use them, but in 99% of all use cases, never use them. Don't use them. And if you want. Um, to use them, then uh, make sure you really know what you're doing. It's very dangerous. Uh, I see very often when I do security reviews, I see S3 buckets where someone has granted public write request to the S3 bucket. So anyone on the internet can upload their data to your S3 bucket. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a huge problem. So uh, that's a big important rule. Never use bucket or object access control lists. Yeah, so I also have a like a funny story. Um, so I, I was working a, on a project and we discovered an S3 bucket and they um, uh, decided to use object access control lists to uh, make objects public readable, so make them accessible from the internet. And this was uh, intended. And then uh, someday we 
uh, decided to uh, move this or migrate this approach to a bucket policy where there's only one place where we have to configure it because otherwise we have to configure it at, at every object. But this also means that we have to uh, update every object um, to remove the access control list actually. So it's and there were cla uh, like uh, millions uh, of objects in this bucket. So it took quite some time to change or remove the access control list setting from each object in this bucket. Um, so finally we made it, but it's still, it's painful. And it's much easier if you go with uh, the, the bucket policy approach, for example, in this case. And I think that's the, the next uh, approach that you want to uh, highlight. Yeah, so that's the, th the third option that you can use to grant access to your three bucket. This is a bucket policy. And bucket policy, um, you can use them um, in, in conditions where you actually want to make your data publicly available. But that's what we want to avoid here, right? So we want to avoid having um, uh, data published to the internet. And there are a few other use cases um, that you might want to use a bucket policy For example, one use case that I can think of is if you want to allow read access from your whole AWS organization, so from all the other AWS accounts in your organization, um, without having to deal with IAM roles and cross-account IAM roles. So there are use cases for bucket policies, but I would advise only use bucket policies if you can't achieve the same thing with an IAM role, an IAM user, and an IAM policy. So be very careful when using bucket policies because it's very easy to then add also a statement to your bucket policy that publishes the whole content to the world. Okay, I see. Um, I, I also have some, uh, like, um, a little uh, thing to, uh, like, or maybe a point of confusion here in the bucket policies. So if you, if you create a bucket policy, you have to specify um, the principle so who is allowed to, uh, for example, read uh, or write into the bucket? And this is called the principle in the uh, I'm in the statement of the uh, bucket policy. And you can enter um, an AWS principle. For example, you can enter um, the Amazon account uh, resource name. And the funny thing is that this name ends with your account number, cologne, root. And lots of people assume that root means the root user, which makes a lot of sense. But it isn't the root user, it's the whole account. So every I'm user, every role in this account is kind of addressed by this uh, alias. So it's not the root user, it's the whole account. And this is very confusing and a lot of people get this wrong because if you just look at the name, I mean, it's it's... It does. It make a lot of sense to assume it's the root user, but it actually isn't. So it's the whole thing, uh, and this is uh, completely different than the root user. Uh, it's also possible to reference I'm roles and users in a bucket policy. People are doing that as well, but I think it gets really complicated. So I, that's why I advise use I'm policies whenever possible. If that's not possible, or if it's really cumbersome to do then you might switch to bucket policy, but never ever use bucket or object access control lists. So this is rule number one for granting access to your S3 bucket. Okay, Andrea. So I let me create an example, or let me create a, 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 a example and then and, and tell me how I can solve this with, with rule number one um, to uh, basically uh, preferring IAM policies. So I have two AWS accounts and uh, in account A, I have an S3 bucket 
And now I want to write to this bucket from account B. So how can I achieve this with IAM policies only? Because usually this is where you use bucket policies, right? Yes. So let me let me. So this is um, how you can achieve it with with IAM policies only. Is you create an IAM role in uh, the account where the S3 bucket is located, and you grant access to assume this role to the other account, to the other AWS account, and by that. Uh, whatever is running in your account, I've had, I think you said B, so this is the account that wants to access the three bucket, uh, can use the role, assume the role, do a cross account, um, use the cross account role, and then access the three bucket um, with that IAM role. So that way you have used only IAM policies to grant access to your three bucket. Um, however, if you have to do that for hundreds or even more AWS accounts in a big organization, that might be hard to achieve. And that might be an exemption to the rule so that you then use a bucket policy in this, uh, in this scenario. But you can achieve it with IAM policies and I would advise to do so for uh, simple scenarios where only a few accounts have to access your three bucket. Okay, so um, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, thanks for explaining rule number one to us. Um, so I guess um, you said there are four rules. So uh, I think we will switch to rule number two now. So rule number two is um, enable block public access. So block public access is a feature that AWS announced in November last year. And it's kind of a, think of it as a safety net to protect the data stored in US3 buckets. So it's a configuration that you can do. And you can um, choose four options. There are four options available. One is you can um, deny creating new access control lists for your S3 buckets. So whenever someone tries to create an access control list, um, this is not possible. So you can't just use that feature anymore. So that is only for new access control lists that someone tries to add. That's option number one that you can enable. Option number two is you can just say, just um, just do not. Um, so if there are any bucket uh, uh, access control lists, just ignore them. So you can just ignore public access that has been granted by access control lists. So this is a, uh, an option that is on, uh, also in effect for access control lists that you already have created. And then there's the same mechanism for bucket policies. So you can um, enable the option that denies adding new bucket policies, or you can add an option that overrides bucket policies that grant public access to your S3 buckets. So this is the so-called block public access feature of Amazon S3, and I highly recommend to enable that um, probably you haven't yet. <laughs> I haven't for, for many S3 buckets. Um, but it's um, a good way, a safety net um, that protects you from accidentally uh, with a bucket policy or access control list um, yeah, leak data from your S3 buckets. So that is very helpful, I think. So let me explain a little bit uh, how that works. So the block public access, there are two options to enable that. One option is you can enable that for your whole AWS account. 
So then this affects all your S3 buckets in your AWS account. So this is helpful if you do not want to publish any data uh, in all S3 buckets of your account uh, publicly. So then you can use that feature and you can make sure that even when someone else creates a new bucket, he, uh, it's not possible to grant public access to the data stored in here. So that's useful for a lot of organizations. And you do that uh, on an account level. So how do you enable that? So if you go to the AWS Management Console, you go to the S3 service, and then uh, in the sub-navigation, there's something like uh, block public access account settings, where you can then enable the four options that we talked about. So this is then in effect for all buckets in your AWS account. So this is very useful. Uh, it's the best option actually to use that because yeah, it's, you don't have to think about it anymore. It's just enabled for all the buckets. And then um, there's the same thing, um, the same configuration, but only for a bucket, not for the whole account, but for one specific bucket. This is what you have to use if you have a mixture. You have some buckets that contain public data and you have other buckets in your account that contain private data. Then, unfortunately, you have to enable these uh, block public access options for each bucket that contains private data only. So that is the two options that you can choose from. Either way, uh, I highly recommend you to do so. So use that block public uh, access to avoid misconfigurations and data leaking from S3. Okay, Andrea. So you already uh, started to talk a little bit about how to do this with Terraform and CloudFormation. So I assume that our listeners can find the code examples in the blog post that, that this kind of uh, works or is, is, is created together with this podcast episode. Is this correct? Do we also have a blog post for this, uh, blog, uh, for this podcast episode? Sure, we have. So as always, um, for each podcast episode, we also have a blog post and we will link that in the show notes. So we'll find a link there. And we have um, um, examples for how you enable block public access with Terraform and with CloudFormation. Okay, great. Um, so I have one uh, question or uh, maybe I ask for your recommendation. So uh, uh, my understanding is that if I enable the blocking on the account level, then I cannot override it for a single bucket. Is this correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, so would you recommend, so like if I'm, I'm thinking about larger organizations and with like uh, maybe tens or hundreds of AWS accounts and tens or hundred, hundreds of teams using AWS, do you recommend that, um, so one, one thing that comes to my mind is that we have a one AWS account or maybe uh, a few AWS accounts where um, the uh, global block is not enabled. So those are explicitly accounts that are made for uh, public data and all the other accounts are by default with the uh, global restriction. So because does it, or do you think it makes sense to, to split public and private kind of workloads into different AWS accounts or do you, what's your kind of approach here? Yes. So <clears throat> first of all, I think it's, um, you should try to be able to enable public access block uh, on the account level because then it makes the most sense because you're sure that new buckets that are created 
are also affected by this rule. Um, and then, as you said, um, to be able to achieve that, if you also have to publish data publicly in your organization, it might make sense to have your own AWS accounts that are only there for yeah, publishing data with a three to anyone on the internet. So I think that uh, separation of concerns uh, makes a lot of sense. It helps you a lot to make clear where do we store data that is private, where do we store data that can be um, accessed publicly. So that might make sense, depending a little bit on your use cases. So um, when, for example, when every application, every team has to use S3 to also um, make content accessible to the internet, then it might not make sense to have your own um, account for every, uh, for every scenario. But if that's a rare case and you only do it for, I don't know, for marketing and some examples, then it might have make sense to have separate AWS accounts only for that. That's, that's definitely a recommendation. Let's go on with the next rule, Andreas. Yes. So the next rule is very simple. It's not technical. <laughs> the next rule is separate public from private data. What does that mean? Do not mix public data and private data into the same F3 bucket. Um, because doing so increases the risk of a misconfiguration dramatically. So if you have data that you want to, to be public, then put that into an S3 bucket. And if you have private data, put it into another S3 bucket where you only store private data. This makes it much more easy to control access because otherwise when you start to grant access based on the prefix uh, of the keys of the objects stored in your buckets, it gets really complicated. And there's, a, there's yeah, huge room for failure here. So avoid that. Separate public from private data. And maybe another tip, um, make sure that the name of your S3 bucket indicates whether it contains private or public data so that it's clear to anyone who does some configuration to your S3 buckets I have to be very careful with bucket policies on this bucket because it contains private data. So if it's possible, try to put something like private and public into the bucket name. So that helps a lot to avoid misconfigurations. Okay, so I see. So if, um, for example, I join an organization and there are already S3 buckets uh, created and basically I have no idea how they are configured and even if i mean if they only use uh, even if they use im policies and stuff it's hard for me to detect if this is a public or private thing and i i mean i could cook i could check all the bucket policies and things like this but if it's in the name it's, it's much easier for new like new people joining the organization or the team to 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 detect this yeah this makes a lot of sense yes so it happened to me actually so i was building infrastructure as code And um, there was a bucket and it looked like it contains public information. So from the bucket name, also from the data that I have seen when I looked at the bucket, it looked like this is public data assets for a web application, so JavaScript, CSS, and so on. And later I learned that the developers also used the same bucket to write uploads from the user that had to be in private to the same bucket. And um, so it was not clear that this is mixed into one bucket and uh, it led to a misconfiguration uh, of the bucket policy in that case. So, yeah, it's really, really important to separate public from private data. That's a, a simple thing you can do, but very effective. Okay, so I think it's time for 
the last rule, Andreas? Yeah, rule number four. Um, so this is also a simple one, and I recommend always to do so. Uh, it is monitor trusted advisor findings. So the trusted advisor um, is a service from AWS that constantly scans your AWS account for typical weak points. So it's not only for security, but security is a big part of it. And there is a check in Trusted Advisor that is called Amazon S3 Bucket Permissions. And this check actually checks if you have S3 buckets with a bucket policy that grants public access or with a bucket access control list that grants public access. And if you monitor the Trusted Advisor findings, you will get a notification if someone creates a new bucket with a new bucket policy um, that grants access global access to the data stored in it. So that is why I highly recommend to enable at least the weekly email notifications from the trusted advisor. It's very simple to do so. You go to the AWS management console, go to trusted advisor service, select preferences, and then you can enter your email address and you will receive a weekly email. And if for some reason someone um, uh, changes the bucket permissions, you will receive an email and you can have a look into it um, to see if that is intended. Okay, so um, this is just like a, a hint for our listeners. So we, uh, Andreas and I, we created a tool. Um, it's called Marbot. It's a Slack chatbot. It, it can actually receive those trusted advisor emails for you and present them in your Slack channel in a like more... Uh, appealing way it can also understand lots of other uh, events from aws but if you are interested in a more appealing uh, display uh, of the weekly information then check this out uh, you can also um, use so trusted advisor creates cloudwatch alarms uh, sorry cloudwatch metrics and you can also create a metric on top of such a so sorry i just mixed uh, so Trusted Advisor creates um, as, or sends a metric data to CloudWatch for each of the checks and the dimensions. And you can have a CloudWatch alarm that fires if um, the check goes uh, yellow or red. So that's also a, a, a way to, to monitor a Trusted Advisor if you are not uh, comfortable with the weekly interval. So if you want to get the information more quickly. Yeah, there are other options. Uh, I think that the weekly email notification is probably the easiest win. So fast win, just enable that. It's it's also important for other topics and it's very easy to do. But yeah, there are um, better ways to do so as well. And yeah, you mentioned Marbot. So marbot.io, uh, our Slack bot, that helps you to make sure you're not missing any of these notifications. Perfect. Yeah, so that, that was the four rules. So let me uh, summarize them. So remember rule number one, um, use IAM policies to control access to your data stored in S3. Avoid using bucket policies whenever possible and do not even think about using a bucket or object access control list. So that's the first important rule. Then the second rule, uh, I talked about how to enable block public access. So kind of a new feature, you probably haven't enabled it for your accounts and the three buckets. So make sure you do so. Uh, if possible, enable it for the whole account to disable public access to all buckets within the account. And if that's not possible because some of your buckets contain public data, then at least make sure you enable public access for all the buckets that contain private data. Then rule number three, very simple one, 
do not mix private and public data. So make sure that you create different accounts for public and private data and name them accordingly. So make sure that the data classification um, is represented in your bucket name. That helps a lot. And the last rule, also a simple one to implement, enable email notifications, weekly email notifications from trusted advisor to get notified if a bucket policy or bucket access control is changed and is now granting public access. So those are four rules uh, that you can follow that um, help you avoid um, F3 data leaks. Any questions left from your side, Michael? Um, no, no questions left, but uh, thank you very much for, for the rules. Uh, I think they are very uh, helpful to kind of like like a small checklist uh, to to make sure that 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 nothing is uh, uh forgotten here because it's an important topic and and it's really um i mean we should spend some uh, uh or we should spend some time on on making sure that our uh, s3 buckets are are not uh, uh leaking uh, sensitive data so that's very helpful um i think in in the daily work uh, with s3 to to follow those rules that you just um presented us so thank you very much andreas Perfect. You're welcome. So then that's it for this week. Um, thanks for listening. And I'm handing over to Polly. And Polly will make some announcements. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Andreas. My name is Polly, and I'm happy to share some announcements with you. This was episode number six, How to Avoid S3 Data Leaks. You will find a link to the blog post about this episode in the show notes. Please do not forget to subscribe to the Cloud Enough podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let Michael and Andreas know what you think about this episode, rate or review the podcast. Or even better, send them a message. You will find links to their Twitter and LinkedIn profiles in the show notes. Besides, there's something to celebrate this week. Andreas and Michael are releasing their second book, Rapid Docker on AWS. As a developer, you want to focus on shipping great experiences to your customers. Therefore, we have designed a fast and easy way to bundle your application into Docker containers and run them on Amazon's worldwide infrastructure in a highly available and scalable manner. Our learning experience consists of an ebook and online seminar. Prior knowledge of Docker and AWS is not required. Buy an ebook today, and you will get a voucher for another ebook to give away. You will find a link to Rapid Docker on AWS in the show notes.